If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Oh boy, this episode uh, has to be one of my favorites. I love it. We get into the five biggest lies. You're just like fitness. ruffling feathers. Yeah. Oh, it's a good time. It's old school mind pump yeah, style. We talk about the following five lies in fitness that are causing the most damage. There's the whole beast mode intensity lie. There's the do all these weird, stupid exercises lie. There's the meal frequency lie. There's the you know uh, supplements make the biggest impact in, uh, out of everything lie. And then, of course, our favorite, uh, the lie that somebody, somebody just because someone's shredded and they look good, that they know what they're talking about. So in this episode, we go into all of those lies, and then we give you the answers. We talk about why they're lies, why they exist, and then we give you the answers uh, to help you get to your fitness goals faster. Also, before we get into that episode, this month, Maps Anywhere is 50% off. Now, Maps Anywhere is the program that requires no gym access. So it's different. Um, if, you, if you're constantly working out with dumbbells and barbells, this program is different. It's mostly body weight and bands. It's still extremely effective. It is suitable for beginners all the way up to advanced people. Um, it is scalable in terms of its intensity. Very effective. It's also great for travel, and it's great to mix things up. If you've been you know, working out a particular way for a long time, do four weeks of MAPS Anywhere and watch your progress skyrocket. A lot of the movements are closed-chain movements. They help with body awareness. They help with building muscle, sculpting, and shaping the body and the core. Lots of core activation when you do a lot of these movements. It's 50% off. Here's what you do to get the discount. Go to mapswhite.com. That's M-A-P-S-W-H-I-T-E.com. And use the code ANYWHERE50, A-N-Y-W-H-E-R-E-5-0, for the discount. And so that's it. Without any further ado, here we are talking about the five biggest lies in fitness. Terrestrial radio. Have you, have uh, we you listened to fucking radio in a long time? Radio? Yeah. Too many commercials. You mean like regular radio? Like regular radio. I listen every morning. Do you? Yeah, but oh, I, like sports though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah sports talk. Different. Yeah, so I listen to my... Yeah, like my regular ba- radio. It's, it's my, hilarious. I, I don't think anybody really listens to like regular... It'd be, it's annoying. Yeah. You think it nobody? You think nobody listens to it, but it's still it's still yeah it's still the, getting numbers. Yeah, it's still consumed at uh, very very high levels. So I I don't I don't think so. I no I don't think so at all actually. The, especially now with like uh, Spotify and um, every other SoundCloud, you have the ability like let's say you like a song that you found on the radio. Okay, you you can make a station all around that, and it just the oh no no doubt no doubt new media is better. Yeah. Across the board, just but lazy old people. But they're still like, for example, it's like bodybuilding.com, bro. Yeah, yes, yeah. it sure it still it, exists. It still exists. People are coming. Yeah, to that's it. the thing. It's just holding on by a thread. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> you know, they're nice. trying. To, it's still relevant. Nice. I, I mean, most of these, most of these DJs, they have they started their own podcast now, or, but just, that's or because they convert they, the show to a podcast format. Yeah, that's because we know they know the direction it's going. But today, for example, a majority of Americans consume their news from mainstream news networks. The majority of Americans watch, you know, TV networks. 
Yeah. Uh, so they're still they're still in the lead, but it's shrinking oh, fast. There's still there's you know why there's still a lot of you know eighty year olds alive. That's why. Yeah. You know what exactly. I'm saying like a lot of truckers. Yeah. Still out there. Yeah. Give it twenty more years, dude. Well, Tw- think about twenty the, more years. Obsolete. Well, think about the. It's remember it's cold. <laughs> watch out there, Justin. Think yeah, about it's culture. Been a while. The, the 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 it's a it's a it's a cultural phenomenon, right? Uh, media is kind of what shaped. It's part of the the modern society, and so if everybody for a long time has been consuming media a certain way, it takes a second for it to switch over. But it's happening fast, yeah. very very quickly. I mean, oh, you're, yeah. we're talking like five to ten years. It'll be completely. It'll be like newspapers. Remember, remember newspapers were how people consumed most of their news in written form. For a long time, and then it went from there to like. Do you know anybody that reads, reads newspapers? No, <laughs> they're almost all gone. I mean, I use it for kindling. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember the, remember the San Jose Mercury News? It was one of the number one uh, newspapers in the in, in America, um, and it used to be thick. It was mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, I don't even know if it does it even exist anymore. I think yeah. it does. It's like five pages of ads. The most annoying part of radio or like TV, you go back now to all these commercials. I can't even sit through it. I'll mute it. I'll leave the room. It's crazy, like how intolerant you are towards yeah. it now. Well, speaking of media, um, this actually leads to a, an awesome topic because you know when we were growing up um, and first getting into working out, uh, you know, all of us grew up mainly in working out. I'd say in the in the nineties, um, we the main source of information through media for fitness was different than it is today, right? Like most of the, the places I got my information from were uh, muscle building magazines, Flex, right. Muscle mm. and Fitness, Iron Man, uh, Muscle Media 2000, Muscle Mag. I mean, I could name them all. And I used to buy them every single, every single time they came out. Well, and, then, and, and books also. Especially yeah. our space because it wasn't big enough or popular enough to make like mainstream TV. No, no. Like you weren't getting any information regarding fitness like from the TV at all. No, if you did, no. it was because you bought a workout video right. that told mm-hmm. you how to work out or whatever. And so that's where we got all of our information. And um, a lot of it was was terrible. A lot of it was bad information. And so the promise with new media is that because new media is, uh, you, can, you can communicate so much more information and you can hear from so many more people, the promise is that we're going to get you know, access to better information, but there's a double side to that too, which is mm, lots the, of misinformation. Lots of misinformation, and I'm surprised at how the same myths that we grew up believing that we realized were false are the same lies and myths that are still continue to be promoted. Yeah, well, if it today. works once, you know, like that's something that you can always go back to, and like all these old tricks and gimmicks that marketers have figured out, wow, we got a lot more clicks because we showed this crazy transformation that's almost unreal and we just slap our supplement right next to it and it sold like crazy. And if that still works today, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's well, unfortunate. L- let's cover what we think is the biggest lies in, in the space. Like the ones that just people believe, the ones that are most damaging, the ones that we uh, had, that we ourselves believed for a long time. Let's yeah. cover those because those are the ones that are really insidious, the ones that still won't die. Uh, I know for me, one of the biggest myths and lies that I unraveled, which took me years, maybe even a decade of, of extra training my body and training other people, 
was the whole myth surrounding intensity and how hard you train and how that was it. Yeah. That was everything. Like it was all about beast mode. It was all about just training hard. And if you did that, you get great results. Well, I like you starting there because mm. I feel like of of all the lies that come to mind for me, that one probably stuck with me the longest. Yeah. That one uh I probably did the longest and fell into that trap myself. And I also remember my first experience of uh, coming into, you know, using platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I didn't use any of that before. Like I wasn't into that. And when I got into using it for building a business purposes and I started, you know, right away, I start following a bunch of fitness accounts. I realized really quick, like, whoa, this is, this is bad. Now I, by that time I've now figured out that's not the answer, but it took me years of falling into that trap from all the, like you said, all the magazines and the hype videos. Like, I mean, I for sure would, would you know, YouTube and watch a Ronnie Coleman workout or, or back then I had t DVDs and even probably some cassettes if I go far enough back in my collection of these workout videos of guys just crushing it. And I'd watch that, get hyped up, then go to the gym and just crush it, yourself. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, we used to train like my buddies and I, when we were in our early twenties until you threw up, like mm -hmm. if you yeah. didn't train that hard, then you, you weren't going to see the results that these guys on these magazines and these videos were, that's what separated them for me was their, yeah. their level of intensity. Oh, it's yeah. a super hard one for me. Uh, you know, especially in that athletic world like this plays like th this preys off of that mentality that you know you're always trying to uh you know like do the hardest workout you possibly could do because you think that's that's what makes it the best and that's what's going to make me the most resilient and strongest and uh you know that so so still like that was one of those things where like it, that followed me throughout my career of training even what makes this particular lie um so insidious and so pervasive is that it's romantic, right? It's a romantic yeah. notion. Like, if I could just... It's like heroic. If I could just train hard enough. If I had the guts to go in the gym and beat myself up hard enough, then then I would deserve, and you know, for sure I would deserve and get all the results and progress that I ever wanted. And it's romantic uh, to watch videos of people beating themselves up in the gym and hearing their struggles. Um, it's like uh, any other uh, story that you hear. It just... It's, it invokes this inspiration. And, you know, and, and here's the problem with it. There's a little bit of truth in there. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. just going to say, yeah. that was, I was going to interrupt you and say, there, there is, though, that what makes it uh, dangerous or tough to combat, uh, and, I, and I think of that with at least... This is know, with all the lies. There's right, a I was going to say, I'm going through, like, all the lies in my head that come to mind, and, like, for the most part, most of them have some validity to them because mm -hmm. there's some science to support the benefits of it. And that's what the fitness industry has been notorious for doing, which is taking a little bit of science, taking a little bit of truth and information, and then expanding on it and then just bastardizing it. And that's what I feel like we've done with beast mode and all out and intensity driven type workouts is it's turning you into a martyr. And it's like, who can train the hardest gets the most results. And they back it up with showing these cases of, so if you took a workout, a single workout and compared somebody who 
went low to moderate level intensity and we measured all their markers and then you measured somebody who got after it, well, there's a lot of things that would happen. The person who got after it intensity-wise more than likely is going to have more volume, going to burn more calories, and in a short-term study would show like obviously this person who worked much harder for this workout compared to the other one mm. burned more calories, potentially burn more fat, potentially burn more muscle, and in a very small study would show well, that must make it mean it's well, better. It's easier for people to understand like the stark contrast of like that was too easier, this is too hard. And like to, to be able to kind of like understand that there's a smarter process to it. There's a gray zone. There's like a threshold of, you know, where you're not going to see as much gains from that instead of just like going all in or all or not going all in. Like it's almost easier psychologically for you to be like, well, I'm just going to press as hard as I can or I'm just not going to do it. Well, because the, the problem is that people don't realize that the the process by which your body burns body fat, builds muscle, improves its performance is an adaptation process. And with that adaptation process are limiting factors. Now, if we were superhumans and there were no limiting factors and our adaptation, uh, aka our body's ability to build muscle and burn body fat, was directly tied to just how hard and long we worked out and there were no limiting factors, then the sky would be the limit. The harder you worked out, the longer you worked out, the more results you would get, the better you would adapt. Unfortunately, our bodies have natural limiting factors, which are quite individual. Um, they depend on yeah. your genetics. They depend on your current level of fitness. They depend on your nutrition, your ability to sleep, uh, you know how, how well you sleep. All those things uh, determine these limiting factors. And if you surpass your body's ability to cope with the intensity, to adapt to the intensity by surpassing those limiting factors, not only will your body fail to adapt in the way that you want it to, um, but it may actually start to regress because now you're creating too much, so much damage and so much uh, problems for your body that you're not going to progress at all. And the problem with this is that for the people who are, again, I, I, I talk about this because it's a sexy uh, message, just train harder and you'll get better results. Yeah. But it also feeds into this uh, self uh, punishment uh, attitude that we tend to get when we're disgusted with ourselves. Mm -hmm. If you're listening and you're somebody who you're overweight, you're out of shape, you're, you're looking in the mirror, you're like, that's it. I can't stand anymore. I got to do something about this. You're kind of sick of yourself, right? You're a little bit like irritated. Like, that's it. I got to go do something about this. And so part of this beast mode mentality also feeds into that punishment. Mm -hmm. I'm in the gym and I'm beating myself up. Well, you know what? I deserve it. I haven't worked out in so long. I've eaten terribly for years. I'm 40 pounds overweight. I deserve all this pain. And so it feeds into that and it actually makes you kind of feel better in the moment. It makes you feel better because you're like, yeah, I, yeah. I just punished myself for all that bad shit that I did. Oh, and also I've heard that training real hard and the harder I train, the better results I'm going to get. So this is a good thing. It's not. If it, this is one of the, this is the one of the biggest lies in fitness, yeah. but it's also the one that I think is prevented people from progressing consistently long term, almost more than any well, other lie I can think of. Well, I also think too that what's tied into this process is the fact that like you get sore, you get sore after a hard workout or something you haven't done for a while, and that feeling of sore feels like you've accomplished, like you've accomplished it. Like this is what you have to feel every time you do a workout. And so when people don't feel sore, it feels like a problem. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, you know, that this is something that's like roped in and integ integrated with training. Yeah, I would say uh, here's the thing that people need to understand when it comes to 
intensity, okay? It's very, very individual. And to get your body to progress, all you have to do is train your body just beyond what it's typically used to. Just beyond. That's about as far as you need to go. So if I take somebody, just to give you an extreme example, who, let's say I had somebody who was bid, in, has been bedridden for uh, a year. They've been in bed for a full year, haven't been able to walk. Just getting that person to step outside the bed, stand up, take a few steps, and then get back into bed, that m- movement alone is far more than their body's used to. That movement will cause the body to want to adapt by getting stronger. Now, as they get stronger, that means that the movement's going to have to now match their current level, and it's going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to move it up. I'm going to have to amplify it, which is why when you see somebody who's super fit, super dialed in, incredible genetics, maybe even on anabolic steroids, and they're training at an intensity that's just unfathomable, well, the reason why they're training at that intensity is that's now what, what their body maybe requires to get them to respond even more. Well, I love to give people the analogy when I'm trying to explain how how we should or should not use intensity, like comparing it to like an ultra marathon. Because your your fitness journey is more like an ultra marathon than it is like a sprint. And if you if you treat the ultra marathon like a sprint and you come out the gates as hard as you can, like in a, you would in a sprint because you're trying to get to point A to point B as quick as you can and it's a short distance. You get about a mile. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You get about a mile and then you're gassed and then you're probably you're going to be walking. If you give it all you got for, you know, a mile or two or however long you got in that gas tank, eventually you die out. You will not get through an ultra marathon running your hardest right out the gates. Well, the same thing applies when we're trying to build muscle or burn body fat. If you come out the gates and you throw the whole kitchen sink at your body right out the gates, sure, the first mile the first week or two, you're going to see more results than you would if you just got up and started walking around like to your point. Sure, in that short term, but that unfortunately our our health and journey our health and uh, our health and fitness goals are not short-term goals, they're long-term goals and therefore they're a long journey and it takes you a while to get there and so you should approach it in the same manner. So my my goal is to actually again and I say this on the show all the time like I'm always trying to do as little as possible to elicit the most amount of change. Mm-hmm. I want to give my body just so like you're saying, Sal, if I've been laying in bed, getting up and walking around is going to send a signal to for my body to adapt. Well, take translate that into weight training and exercise. If you haven't done any exercise whatsoever, just you showing up at the gym and doing some really lightweight or body weight type of exercises. That's, that's perfect. Is is perfect. Is more than enough because yeah. it's way outside of what you were doing just the week before. And then you slowly build on top of that and it has to be one of the number one mistakes that I see still today and, and it's and I feel it's increasing when we see things like F45, Orange Theory, CrossFit, because they all feed into that beast mode intensity mentality of get into these classes that are circuit-based and train as hard as you possibly can every day you hit the workout. And sure, for about four to six weeks, and that depends on the body because everybody's different, but typically four to six weeks, people see pretty good results. Mm -hmm. But it's inevitable that eventually the body adapts to that level of intensity, that type of training. And then you have to ask yourself, do you got more in the tank? Can you add more days, more intensity, more time? And eventually you run out of those things. And it's not only that, but the, the risk of injury and then overcoming your body's ability to adapt become real risks Mm-hmm. When you overapply intensity, if you take somebody and you just train them way beyond the amount of intensity that their body 
needs to you know start to change and get stronger and build muscle and burn body fat. If you train them too hard, you overcome their body's ability to adapt because they can't recover from it. They just yeah. can't. They can't do it, and they end up regressing because you keep breaking muscle down. You keep causing more and more damage. And the other thing is this, is that with intensity, we tend to think that uh, we, we value intensity so much that we negate other aspects of exercise that are also very important. Uh, for example, if you practice exercises daily at sub, uh, uh, you know, maximum intensities, at moderate or even low intensities, does mm -hmm. that mean you're not going to get any benefit? No. You can still get tremendous benefit. If mm -hmm. I go to the gym and I do barbell squats at you know 40% intensity, but I practice perfect form and I do them every single day, that will also cause my body to build muscle. That will also cause me to get better at squatting. So it's not there, – there isn't a one-size-fits-all. There isn't a just go to the gym, hammer yourself as hard as you possibly can, and that's what's going to cause body to change. Right. No, you can lower the intensity, increase the frequency of training, increase yeah, the I volume. Yeah, I thought of this – I started to think of this more as like there's an actual dose that's right you know, every time I go into the gym that I need to try and like shoot for. And I was thinking about it because when I was playing baseball and, uh, you know, I was pitching at the time, uh, like, duh, it makes perfect sense. If I'm going to try and throw as hard as I can every single ball, like I'm during practice, if I'm practicing and I'm trying to throw a fastball every single time, like how long would I last with my arm? My arm would not last that long. And I'm doing the same thing in the gym. Like I was going that hard every time I was doing a workout and then it just dawned on me. It's like, I have to treat this more like practice. This is practice. This is, I'm building upon something. Every now and then I can test myself. Well, this that's is fine. This is also the reason why we don't work out together. Mm -hmm. Is It's rare that the I three... I smell bad or something. Yeah, it's, it's rare <laughs> that the three of us are in the exact same place with the same goals and same levels of intensity and volume that we should all be at. So, And, I, and just to your point, Justin, is... I know I've been doing this long enough now, and I still don't have this perfected, but I have a pretty good idea of today's workout when I go in the gym about how much I need to give it. Mm -hmm. And anything over that is, in my opinion, wasted. It, there's no reason for me to go beyond that because if anything, what that ends up doing is making me too sore, which I know is then going to hinder tomorrow's workout, mm -hmm. which then sets me back on my, my progression that I want to make week over week. So my goal is to, again, go into the gym and do just what I need to do. I don't want to do what Justin needs to do today or what Sal needs to do today. I want to do what I need to do for myself because I want, if I'm going to be spending my time in the gym working out, I want the maximum results that I can get from it. I'm not into ego lifting. I don't want to go there and prove that I can hang with Justin or I could outlift Sal. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about my results. And if that means that I'm in a different place than the two of you right now, whether that be way less volume and intensity or way more volume intensity, I want to train accordingly. This is also why I just I'm not really a big fan of training partners for that reason. It's just rare that two people need the same dosage of training at the same time, unless they were following the same program, a lot of things very similar, then maybe they can get away with it a little bit. But for the most part, you should be doing what your body needs and right to that limit, not trying to go beyond that because yeah. the more you go beyond that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get more results. I, I learned this lesson. It took me uh, probably about 10, 10 to maybe 12, 13 years of training my body and then uh, training clients to really learn this. I learned this lesson for my clients early. Early on, I learned this as a trainer where, wow, if I train – Mrs. Johnson too hard, she doesn't progress. 
and I need to train her appropriately. And I learned that real fast. But for whatever reason, and trainers listening right now know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. You always apply the truth to yourself last. For whatever reason, you think that you're different than your clients, mm -hmm. uh, maybe because you think you're genetically gifted or whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, or I'm not, I'm more hardcore. It took me years to apply this to myself, but I remember like it was yesterday when I finally did this, I was reading articles on studies on lifting to failure. Now lifting to failure is when you lift a weight until you can't lift it anymore. So if I do 10 reps in a bench press, that 10th rep is the last rep and I fail at it and then I'm done with the set. And I always thought that you had to lift to failure to maximize progress. That was the level of intensity. That was the minimum level of intensity that you needed to cause the body to really build a lot of muscle. Well, I remember reading the study and in the study, it compared lifting to failure to not lifting to failure. And what it found was that not lifting to failure actually built more muscle in this particular study. And I thought, this is kind of crazy. And then I read some more articles with bodybuilders talking about why they don't lift to failure. And I said, well, maybe that's this is something I should try. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I did my normal workout, and instead of going to failure in every set like I always did, I stopped about one or two reps short of it. And by this point, I'd been working out so long that I could tell. You know, you guys know this, right? Where you do a workout and you get something new, and you could tell right away, like, yeah. oh, this is mm. this is something that's that's effective. That workout alone, I did it, and I felt like so different, a better pump, better connection. The next workout, I was stronger. The next workout, I was stronger. And then that was it. I realized at that point that intensity needed can be overdone. Oftentimes, I was overdoing it. And dropping the intensity allowed me to do more exercises, more volume, more frequency, which then allowed my body to progress even faster. And now, it was one of the greatest lessons I'd ever learned. Now, for the science nerds that are listening right now, they're going, well, I've read studies that show the benefits of going to failure and training with intensity and how important it is. Absolutely. But the analogy that I yeah. give to somebody like this is think of it like nitrous for your, your engine. And anybody that understands how NOS works, how it shoots cold air into your engine, and it's super, super strong, and you get this crazy rush of horsepower, horsepower out of nowhere, and your car speeds up and accelerates faster than it would without it. That's kind of like what happens when you decide to go to failure or if you decide to train at your highest level of intensity for that workout. Hell yeah, there's some benefits to doing that. But if you were to hit NOS every single time you're driving all over the place, you eventually would blow the engine. And your body's the same way too. If you train every time by pushing the limits like that, it will it will revolt. It will push back on you, and it goes into survival mode. Says, this motherfucker's pounding the shit out of me. I don't want it to explode, so you won't see the same results. So you, it's, it's not that we're saying that you don't use intensity or you don't ever go to failure. It just needs to be appropriate. It's the right amount. Yeah, yes. you use it judiciously. There's, there's a way that you apply it in your programming, and it's another tool in your tool belt. It's not something that should be done almost every single workout, and I think that was something that I was uh, – uh, definitely guilty of doing is every single workout trying to bring oh my, yeah you mix hard work you mix hard work ethic with some body image issues and yeah. you put them in the gym and you're going to get someone who's going to beat We're themselves be hammering up. it that's it i mean here's the bottom line the bottom line with this particular lie is this be honest and consider your current level of fitness and your current lifestyle how is your sleep how is your nutrition and have you been working out consistently and how fit are you truly? Not how much damage and punishment you can take, but how fit are you at this moment? And then apply intensity appropriately. It's got to be appropriate for your body. If you do this, your body will progress faster. You'll build more muscle. You'll burn more body fat and you'll gain better health with the appropriate application 
of intensity. In other words, more intensity is not always better, and oftentimes it isn't better for most people. Um, the other lie that I think, and this ties right into this, and I think this is worse today than it was, when, way way worse today than it was when we were uh, working out, is the whole uh, is some of the stupid exercises that I see people doing on social media. We could thank the Instagram for that. It, it, it's like the it's like times a million. It's so much worse today than it was when we first started working out. I mean, when I first started working out and I was reading bodybuilding magazines, you did see, you know, certain cable exercises and techniques and finishing movements, if you will, that were for bicep peak, which is not true, you know, squeezing the quad, developing the teardrop of the quad or whatever. And they were, you know, they were exercises that were not effective as the big, most effective exercises. But at least when I was reading about them in these muscle building magazines, they said things like, these are advanced techniques, do this at the end of your workout. Make sure you still do your core lifts. Today, I think it's gotten way worse. Well, I also think that, and I think I also think that it's partially for like us trainers. I remember that it used to be a thing to when you had a new client who came in, you would th throw the most creative workout you possibly could at oh, them. Oh, it was always that. yeah, <laughs> and 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 I know that part of that was just my insecurity as a training to not understand programming that well and know what my client needs instead trying to impress them with teaching them something new that they didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so they would come in the gym and I'm like, well, I can't just show them a squat and a bench press and an overhead press. Everybody knows what that is. I've got to do this lying side cable kickback balancing thing on a BOSU <laughs> ball because they've never seen that before. It looks awesome. Every, right. every, yeah. every lunge, every squat in involved the curl overhead press. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, you got to throw in some upper body stuff. With right, that. right, and so Let's I, maximize. I, I do believe that uh, a lot of this is our fault. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, I feel, I feel guilt. This is one of the things that motivates me about Mind Pump every day, is because I know it's a, a lot of the passion behind uh, everything that we do is is to correct uh, part of the problem that I think that we helped promote, and that this is one of them. And I remember this. Uh, having trainers that worked for me that the whole staff was like this. Everybody yeah. was, who could come up with the most clever, ridiculous workout? And it wasn't like we went into thinking that way. It wasn't like I was writing like, oh, this is going to be ridiculous. I was like, they're never going to know what this is, or this is going to be so new, and this is going to blow their mind. Yeah, you know? I just learned oh, this yeah. exercise last week. Right. Throw this oh, one at them. Right. And so I think that, and we still, and we see this to the 10th degree, now with Instagram, right? Like oh, every, boy. oh, it's accelerated like crazy. Oh, it's it's unreal how much is accelerated. It's terrible. Here, look. Here's the here's the bottom line. N not all exercises are created equal. Hands down, some exercises are just vastly superior in all aspects. Some exercises are phenomenal at building functional strength, at building muscle, burning body fat, speeding up the metabolism. You know, strengthening your joints, giving you better mobility, all those things. And some exercises are terrible at those things. Some exercises have a high risk versus reward ratio. Others have a lower one. You know, some movements, you know, you can get good reward from doing them, but the risk is so high that they're not exercises that you would really ever apply to most people. Some exercises, the risk is very, very low and the reward is high enough to where you have. Most people do these exercises. So at the end of the day, and I think people know this intuitively, I think people know that all exercises are not created equal. So it's so understanding that, it's it's crazy how so many, especially in social media, they sell movements that are largely ineffective when you compare 
those movements to other movements. Now, here's the problem, and this is why there's some truth to this. Again, like we talked about, why this one is such an insidious lie is that all exercises are, are, if you're doing them right, not hurting yourself, are better than no exercises. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's true. Like if you want to build a, you want to work on building your butt and you go to the gym and you do a bunch of donkey kickbacks and hip hip abduction and, you know, glute squeezes with the band and you're doing a million reps, better than sitting at home on the couch and watching TV. Yes, definitely. But if you compare it to like, Barbell squat, hip right. thrust, deadlift. Not in the same galaxy. Not in the same universe. N- not even close to that. This And I like talking about this one because uh, this is partially how we really got connected. And what I mean by that is I was really just really, really figuring this out when you and I first started talking. And it's what really turned me on about what you were doing with Doug with MAPS Anabolic. And I had really just started a piece of it because I definitely came from that camp of the guy who just threw everything at the kitchen sink. I used to, in fact, I used to say this. I used to pride myself on, no, I never repeated a workout. Mm. I would never do the same workout again. I was the muscle confusion idea, always throwing different things at the body, thinking that that was the ideal way for change in my physique to confuse the shit out of it by doing different exercises. And it wasn't long before when you and I got connected that I really start getting back to like traditional compound lifts. And what I had just pieced together myself before we met was, holy shit, I was working out less, doing way less exercises, way less time in the gym, and my body was seeing more results than seven days in the week, throwing 12, 15 different exercises in a workout. And it had blown my own mind. And I, it's like it's like one of those things that I knew better, but I hadn't, again, I was applying it to clients, but I hadn't <laughs> applied it to myself yet. Yeah. And I had just started applying it to myself and saw what a huge difference it was. And then here you and I get connected on Facebook. We start talking. You send over the first promo video that you had done with Doug. I looked over the program, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the message that everybody yeah. needs to hear right Get now. Get back to the basics. I mean, like you're spinning your wheels when you have that mentality, that muscle confusion. It's like you never allow yourself to fully get good at an exercise, and that's really what – the training is about like we're, we're trying to train our body to, uh, you know, master these types of movements that are very effective in muscle building. And so allow your body to get good at it and be measurable about it. Well, look at look at sports. Look at all sports. We can even talk about martial arts. OK, you could take somebody who goes and, and studies, you know, uh, kung fu at some McDojo you know, school in America and learns. Ooh, McDojo. Uh, yeah. Learns, uh, you know, 2000 varieties of kicks and punches and this and that, and you put them in the ring with somebody who's been just boxing, American boxing, for a couple years. And American boxing teaches you like four punches. What is it? A jab, a straight, a hook, and an uppercut? I mean, that's it. But the way that you execute those punches and the combinations is really what makes it beautiful. And this is why boxers are such effective fighters in comparison to people who learn 50 million different punches and kicks, but never really master any of them. It's very similar to, this is all sports. Look at the best athletes in the world, the best teams in the world. Are they the fanciest or are they the ones that master the basics? This is true with exercise. You go to the gym and you master the basics, you're going to build more muscle. You're going to burn more body fat. You're going to get far better results. The guy or girl who goes to the gym and practices barbell squats, maybe uh, uh, some kind of a lunge and a, and a Romanian deadlift and just perfects those, it's going to get far better results than the person who goes to the gym and does 
50 different leg machines, leg extension, leg curls, lying down, sitting up, you know, all the different varieties of isolation movements. They're going to get far better results and they'll be more functional. I love the fact that you compare it to sports too because like sports, uh, learning the fundamentals and drilling the fundamentals can be boring. Yep. And I know that's what drives people to try new. We, we, as that's, humans, why I tra- that's why I threw it at clients, right. all the different exercises. Right. Mm-hmm. As humans, we, 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 are, we gravitate towards novelty, right? Mm-hmm. It's just we know that. And so throwing new exercises like, oh, cool, new thing for me to learn. I'm excited about it. Oh, squats again? I did squats last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, bench press again? I did that last yeah. week also. Let's, but mastering those fundamentals takes that, a long time. Yeah, that's too. what will make you a champion. It is. Yeah. And that's why I love that you use the analogy with sports because it is true. It's you could sit at, and when you, all the greatest sports stories, when you hear these great, incredible teams, it's a, a collection and a group of players that understood this, that mm-hmm. understood that they were going to execute the fundamentals better than everybody else and then build upon that versus trying to learn all this new fancy stuff and implement new systems and yeah. try, try to get fancy. Parachutes and rubber bands and all this other shit that they're adding in. It's like, no, let's get to really what works and, and just focus on that and do the tedious stuff that's going to, you know, build us and our strength and, 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 you know, make us better athletes. Right. It's like, look, it's, it would be like, I used to use this example to, to clients all the time. It's like you're, you, someone tells you to go dig a hundred foot hole and you have the option between a spoon, a shovel and a backhoe. And now obviously you're going to pick the backhoe because the backhoe is going to pick up the most dirt each time. But what if I went over and I said, you know what? I'm going to use a spoon, but I'm going to perfect the spoon. I'm going to do all the different techniques with this. Good job. Mm. That's great. But at the end of the day, the backhoe just picks up more dirt. At the end of the day, a barbell squat, a deadlift, an overhead press, you know, bench presses, rows, split stand squats. At the end of the day, they move the most dirt. There is no exercise. There are no other exercises that can compare to those movements in terms of sheer uh, amount of results. So you can do all these sideways chest presses on your hammer strength machines and cable twisting movements and ankle lifting movements with the cables and squeeze the small area here and squeeze that and squeeze that. You can do all that. And, I, and, and, and there is some value to doing these to help you with connection, maybe adding more volume and frequency, but please do not get confused. They do not come close to those big basic movements in terms of results. In fact, if you go to the gym and you only have three days a week to go to the gym, stop wasting your time with all those silly exercises because you are literally wasting time that you could be spending on movements and exercises that are going to give you far better results. I mean, if I take, and again, we can use sports. If I take an athlete and I get them really, really good at squats, they're going to run strong, faster and stronger and be more explosive than someone who masters, I don't know, leg extensions, hip, hip abduction, mm. one-legged leg curls, and all these other exercises that just don't even compare. I mean, to, to, to take it even further, I... I could take one of these big, basic, fundamental movements, and you can pick ten silly, small, you know, uh, weird movements, and they're not going to compare to that one. It's true. I can do ten sets of barbell squats, and I'll get better results than if you did, you know, ten sets of ten other of these small machine type exercises. For most people, that's literally how effective they are. And so, if you're if you're the kind look, if you're the kind of per, if you got if you can throw tons of volume at your body, you've been training for a long time. You've just got time to waste and you need more volume and frequency in your workouts and you want to throw a bunch of weird stuff at yourself, by all means, do it and you may actually even benefit. But if you're like, if you're the average person, you're like, look, I can work out three to five days a week. I want to maximize my time in the gym, which means I want to build muscle, speed up my metabolism, burn body fat, just look the best. I have an hour to spend in the gym. Like, 
pick from the list of movements that are truly the most effective ones, and most of them are these compound barbell, dumbbell type movements. Now, these are some of the, the biggest lies that we remember being a part of uh, and we still see today involving you know exercise and inside the gym, but what about stuff that's related to like nutrition, mm. like eating? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that comes to mind when I think of that is and a thing that I did for a very long time, which was falling into the trap of believing that you know, eating frequent meals would speed my metabolism. Oh gosh, I, I did that one forever. <laughs> Long time. Forever. I used to literally bring, when I owned my uh, my wellness facility, I would come to work and I'd have uh, seven meals with me. Literally would have seven Tupperwares wow. with- That's commitment. Yeah, ground beef and rice or tilapia and rice and broccoli. And they all were like photocopies of themselves because who the hell you know makes seven different meals? <laughs> And I bring. And remember, I would train ten clients a day. So I would literally train a client or two. Then the next person would come in to warm up for five minutes or foam roll. For, I'd go in the back and shovel in my, you know, one of my meals. And it was every other hour. And that's because I believe this myth so hard. Like I was so bought in when I finally realized that this was a myth and it was a lie. Um, it was probably, gosh, it's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, when you watch the Wizard of Oz, the original one, and then they 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 pull the sheep back, and there's a dude operating the big wizard yeah. and everybody's just like like their whole life was a lie like what that's exactly what i felt like now there are there here's the problem with this just like the other ones there's a little bit of science 100%. to support it. 100%. Um, it for example uh every time you eat there's something called uh, there's something known as a thermic effect so every time you eat food your body's metabolism speeds up a little bit the reason why this is happening is because your body has to wake up. Your digestive system is digesting food, processing it. So you're burning some more calories. You get a bit of a, a what's called a thermic effect. So then the theory is, well, cool. If we get a thermic effect when we eat, we'll just eat all day, and that means we're going to burn lots of more calories. Well, this isn't true because the thermic effect matches the amount of food and digestion that has to happen with your food. So in other words, if I eat six small meals, I get six small thermic effects. If I eat two large meals, I get two large thermic effects. And if the total amount of calories and everything is equal, the thermic effects are essentially the same. There is no benefit to eating less, uh, you know, to eating more frequently in smaller meals versus eating less frequently larger meals in that uh, in that particular sense. Now, there's some people that are probably listening that are like, "Well, I felt like every time I do the small meal thing, I see better results and this and that." So there is some value to it, and so. Even though I, I learned this this myth, there were still times where I had somebody portion that out. And this there's value to it in this sense where teaching people portion control. We we live now uh, in a place where and I used to love the the infographic or meme you've seen before of like what a, a cheeseburger and a French fry and a Coke used to look like in the 50s and the 70s. Oh, it's so different. Yeah, and it's our portion size today as an American, is is ridiculous. I mean, anywhere you eat, it's literally like three portions or more per per plate that you get. You served. ever look at the calories at yeah. a, a cheesecake factory? Oh, it's like the oh, worst yeah. in the salads. I mean, well, the salads are like almost not, two thousand. And calories. not only that, a lot of people don't know that they, those can be thirty percent off. And you better <laughs> oh, yeah. and you better believe that they're all rounding <laughs> down. You yeah. know what I'm saying? A restaurant's not going to be like, oh, let's let people think that we're going to make them real fat, and they're going to round their calories down. Yeah. So most all places you eat, you got to buffer another thirty percent of calories on top of that. So I I did love breaking the meals up in a day 
So I could show a client who, let's say I'm, I'm having a client following about a 2,500 calorie diet to show them what five 500 calorie meals should look mm -hmm. like and teach them to, you know, hey, once you eat that to learn to shut down and to not just keep gorging and keep eating. Like, so I do see value in separating small meals for the day for those purposes. Or like my example that I use on the show a lot, which was when I was competing and I was 230 something pounds and I was training like crazy. I was moving like crazy and my body needed 5,000 plus calories a day just to maintain my size. Well, fuck, try getting that in two meals. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then it makes sense to, to break it up. So because of things like that, that have shown people great results. Like, of course, a guy like me that size, I had to break them all up or a person that does have no idea about portion control, lots of value in teaching that. And so because people have seen good results from it, we think that it, we still fall back into the old myth of thinking like, oh, it must be because my metabolism yeah, is moving faster. And I think too, like people saw results from it because it's like you're disciplined. You know, you're paying attention to every single thing that you're consuming now. And so people will, you know, prep themselves ahead of time and like go through that process where it's like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to eat and I'm going to be scheduled with my eating habits and all that. Meanwhile, like there's also, there's a better way to do it. And so I think, I think it's, it's tough because they've seen really good results from it and taking that away from somebody when they've already seen good results is always tough sell for somebody. Well, I, I mean, on that point, like somebody who takes the time to prep their food, bring their food to work, has four or five Tupperware containers with food, they're doing well. They're going to do very well, but it's not because of the small meals. It's because they took a lot of time and energy yeah. in looking and prepping their food. You can do this by eating two or three meals as well. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. We've, they've sold this meal frequency myth so hard. And the reason why they sell this myth is for the following. They sell it hard, and they know that the average person is not going to prep and put together four or five meals. They know what the average person is going to do, which is eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and ooh, I need to eat two or three more meals. Thank God for these convenient- Supplements. Yeah, supplements. Meal <laughs> replacement powders, yeah. bars- drinks or whatever. And so the supplement companies and the fitness industry, which is driven by the supplement companies, knows that they're going to sell more protein powders, meal replacements, and bars if they continue to push the myth of small meals. And, and in fact, this is actually what happened. Yep. Meal replacement powders and protein shakes and bars went from the hardcore bodybuilding space to the mainstream. I remember when this happened. I remember when I went into... Knob Hill or Lucky's grocery store, and there's a freaking Metrics meal replacement shake, or uh, what was the other one that was uh, uh, the, the Body for Life one? What was that one? Oh, uh, Myoplex. Myoplex. Myoplex shakes, muscle milk shakes at the grocery store. And I was yeah. like, what is going on? Well, what happened is this myth got so, we were so effective at selling this myth that the average person was like, oh, cool. I, I know I need to eat every, you know, throughout the whole day to keep my metabolism boosted, uh, but you know, I didn't prep any food because you know it takes a lot of time and effort so i'll just buy these shakes and i'll just drink these in between and in fact what happened is a lot of people just added extra calories they ate their breakfast lunch dinner and then threw extra calories on and of course these are highly processed meals which aren't uh, necessarily uh, ideal the other part of this myth is that you know your, your body mu muscles build with protein all tissues in your body build with protein and so the idea is well if we keep protein intake consistent throughout the day, thus keeping amino acid concentrations in your blood high throughout the day. It's the perfect environment to build muscle. And if we let that drop, if you don't eat protein, then your body needs those amino acids. And what's it going to do? It's going to leach it from muscle. 
And boy, does this sound logical. Like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. This is not at all how the body works at all. Um, your body doesn't burn muscle for a long time without food. It takes you days without food before your body starts to tap into muscle. And as far as muscle building is concerned, studies actually show that eating every four to five hours is about the, the is where you're going to maximize muscle protein synthesis. More than that, there's actually some evidence that shows that you may actually reduce your body's efficiency at using protein. So it's actually more effective to have some time in between meals than it is to have shorter time in between meals. Not, not to mention, we're always better off getting real whole foods than we are getting a processed powder. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great as a as a tool if you in a case of emergency, but... I mean, I remember the first time that uh, Katrina heard me explaining to somebody that, you know, well, the protein powder is not an ideal food for you to have. And she was like, wait a second. I thought it was like a, a health food. And I'm like, no, it's not at all that way. It's a better choice than you driving through fucking McDonald's. Yeah. I said, but it's not. It's not better than real food. And she's like, oh, well, I've been packaging and prepping my three meals and then knowing to have the fourth a shake. Yep. And that was like a scheduled thing. And she's like, well, what would I do instead? And I'm like... Okay, well, tell me your three meals. Okay, she had chicken, fish, and steak. I go, well, how many ounces do you have each of that? Well, I have six ounces. I go, have eight ounces of your three me your three meats. And she's like, really? I can do yeah. yeah. Like, but you know how many people that I I've dropped that on, and they're just like, oh, I didn't I didn't think I should have more than six ounces mm -hmm. of meat. I'm like, why not? Yeah. You're way better off getting two more ounces of meat in every single meal than you are adding a protein shake into your meal that's got processed processed and it's got probably oh, artificial sweeteners and shit in it it's just not as beneficial it was always baffling to me because like people would make room for these bars and shakes and it's like you're eating candy bars or you're having a milkshake well I mean, that's it's the same macro profile that's how well the supplement industry did it selling it though i mean oh, kudos to them for, yeah. for doing such a great job of convincing everybody that it's a it's a, a health thing and that you i mean i remember getting clients and, you know, they would they would come in and they're like, you know, they bought their training, they're ready to go, they got their workout gear, their headset, they're ready, you know, and they're like, yeah. and I bought Adam and they'd show me. I bought I got my beast belt. Yeah, and they and they just automatically buy bars and shakes. Like that's just part of getting ready yeah, to get I heard fit. I have to eat every other hour. Yeah, so this Right. Is what and and they just and they just bring it into like I I should start eating this. And I'm like, well, no, we I mean, I'm glad you got it. So in case we need this, but this is not ideal. We're not trying to put this into your diet. No, and in fact, in some cases, uh, it's better to eat less frequently. For example, if you have gut issues or inflammatory type issues, studies show that having longer periods without eating works better for you. Um, There's studies that show that, obviously lots of studies that show support that fasting um, is a wonderful practice for overall health. And for some people, improving their health through fasting will help them build more muscle, burn more body fat, just through the improvements in their health. So meal frequency yeah. by itself, here's what it's regulated to. It's 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 100% preference. That's pretty much it. You like to eat five meals a day? Fine. Take your calories, your total calories, proteins, fats, carbs. Break it up into five meals. Oh, you're busy all day and you prefer to eat just two meals? Fine. Do that. It really doesn't matter otherwise. It doesn't make a difference either way. But I think we should move into the next logical lie which we're kind of talking about anyway which is supplements oh yeah i the mean magical pills if you were to if you were to pick one of these that are probably the most expensive or oh easily <laughs> supplements is costed way more i mean i remember when we first started mind pump that we did the whole mind pump mafia thing and we were yeah. pouring out shakes and throwing away supplements and that was kind of like our our mission was to to teach people that listen 
if we can teach you how to train train better and eat better and program better, uh, the su- it will nullify any and all of the best supplements you could ever purchase and take in your life. And this was something that I I've, that I loved that we were all very passionate about that we I didn't know until we all got together, you know. And it was something that it annoyed me because I felt another one of these ones that I fell into. I one hundred percent name a supplement I for sure have taken it. I have for sure taken it <laughs> yeah. and I have cycled it multiple times. And, you know, as a kid, I remember not even having that much money, but spending, you know, three, $400, sometimes more of that of my money every month on supplements, on bars, on shakes, on creatine, on, you know, testosterone boosters, on, you know, BCAAs, glutamine. I mean, you name it, I had it and I was taking all of it. And for me, this was before social media. This was coming from these magazines. You know, I open up these magazines and I see these massive bodybuilders and they're taking the no explode and they're taking their branch chain amino acids. And so if I want to look like that, I've mm-hmm. got to, I've got to do this. And that could not be further from the truth. And the difference that supplements make, and I love to use the analogy with this, it's literally like throwing a spoiler on a Honda. I mean, you are not going to get in that car and because you threw a spoiler on that fucking car, notice any sort of difference in the performance. It really is like that. No, we, we've been completely, 100% and utterly oversold on the value and impact of supplements on our fitness, on our muscle building ability, on our fat burning ability. We've been totally, totally oversold. Now, you have to wonder why. Like, why have we been, why has this lie been sold to us so hard? Well, here it is, Okay. All industries, in order to continue to exist, need to profit. They have to profit. That's just that's just the nature of, of business. If they don't profit, then there is no fitness industry. There is no nobody in the industry that's teaching you anything about health and fitness. And when you look at all the ways you can make money in the health and fitness industry, you look at things like workout programming. Okay, I could teach people how to work out better. You look at nutrition. Okay, I could talk to people about nutrition. I could teach people better sleep techniques and do all, you know, better exercise technique, or I could sell a consumable product. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at all those categories and look at the one that's the the one that's got the highest capability of profit. It's the consumable products. If I give you a, a workout program and I teach you how to work out really well and you yeah. do a good job, that's it. See you later. You followed my program. Yeah. We're, we're totally done now. If I sell you a supplement and I do a good job making you believe that this supplement is the key to your success, and you make it a part of your routine, guess when you're buying it? All the time. All the yeah. time. Every you month. eating it. Every month. As soon as you're done, you take it, you, you buy it again. And when, you're, when it's done a month, you buy it again. And I'm making tremendous profits. And so supplements are the biggest profits of all of, of the entire fitness and health industry. And this is the reason why they're oversold. They mm-hmm. are literally the things that are continuously being sold. But if you look at all the things that impact your health and fitness and your progress, supplements are way, way down the list. They're so far down the list that when I think of water, walking, sleeping, teaching program designs, teaching better exercise, nutrition, nutrition, mobility, all the things that I've taught clients that were like, you know, and and I have an example for all of those where, you know, I gave this person that one piece of advice and it was all they needed to put the puzzle together. You know, like, oh my mm-hmm. God, Adam, I just started getting the right sleep, mm-hmm. forever changed my health and fitness journey. Muscle started coming on, felt amazing. You taught somebody something about nutrition that they were completely blank on, they didn't understand. Boom, completely altered 
the way they looked, the way they felt the rest of their life. I have fucking never, ever showed somebody or put somebody on a supplement stack and it altered and changed their health and fitness Mm -hmm. journey ever. Ever. It's Mm -hmm. never happened. It's never, no one's ever came back to me and said, holy shit, that Adam. one dude, supplement did Those everything. watermelon BCAs changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it did, they, they, did. Did, they just don't matter that much. You do, and, and in fact, the supplements that have the most value are actually the ones that we don't discuss very much and the ones that are so individualized. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the ones that, oh, you're lacking. For example, there's a supplement I take every single day. It's called vitamin D. Because I don't get enough fucking sun all day long, and I have psoriasis, and I have, and I'm just constantly. Even when I was taking 500 IU's, I still wasn't getting enough. So I'm like constantly in front of my red light. I'm trying to get out in the sun as much as I can, but I know that I'm under these fluorescent lights all day long in this box. So I just don't get enough of it. So I supplement some of that, and when I do, huge difference on my skin, night and day difference. That's because you were lacking a a an essential uh, micronutrient, right? And and that's where supplements can can shine. If you're, let's say, you're a vegan, um, and you're having a tough time getting your B vitamins, or maybe your body's not u- utilizing iron uh, effectively, or you're not getting any creatine in your diet because you're not having animal products. Well, supplementing with those things can become quite important um, and, and actually can make a, a big difference. But even then, even then, does it compare to just having a better diet, good exercise program, and no. good sleep? No, it doesn't. Uh, and, and, and this is the problem. Supplements have some value. They do. But their value has been, has been just grossly, grossly overstated. Where if you're just getting into a fitness pr- program, master your training, master your diet, master your sleep, and then when you've done all those things, you can start to look at supplements. Unfortunately, it's been flipped upside down. Somebody gets into fitness, and the first thing that they're sold is supplements. That's the first, oh, I want to get in shape. I want to burn body fat. What should I do first? All right, well, here's a fat burner, and then take this before your workout and take this after your workout. And this person just started working out, or somebody who's not even consistent with the workouts, or somebody who has a bad diet, and they're like, hey, I want to get leaner. What should I do? Well, the real answer, the good answer is, the right answer is, let's fix your diet. Instead, what they get is, here, take this fat burner. This is going to burn supplements. Well, they're preying off people because they want that. They want a pill that's going to be able to magically work and just like disintegrate fat from the inside without all the work and all the education and all the uh, you know time in between to actually make that happen, that process happen. And we're sold this on all kinds of like uh, you know from the pharmaceutical companies. So they're just taking right out of the playbook of pharmaceutical companies and, and applying it to fitness practices. Look, if I were to take the most supported by studies supplements uh, in the world, if I were to take the top two supplements that were just supported by hundreds and hundreds of studies that they have an effect, that they do have some genuine benefits, those two supplements would be creatine and caffeine. Both supplements, like caffeine, most of you listening right now know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. You drink coffee, you feel it. It Caffeine does something. Creatine also does something. Now, if I were to compare... Let's say you're somebody that wants to burn fat, have harder workouts, have more energy, and so you're drinking caffeine. If I were to take your diet and your sleep and perfect that, it would blow caffeine out of the water. It wouldn't even come close. It wouldn't even come close to the benefits that you'd get from just changing your lifestyle. If you're trying to build muscle and you take creatine, creatine does help people build muscle. Uh, it does through a process of increasing uh, ATP in muscles. It gives it more muscle energy. It hydrates muscles, cell volumization. All these these terms I'm using, basically, it does help build muscle. But if I were to take that person taking creatine and perfect their workout and their diet, 
it would blow creatine out of the water completely. Wouldn't not be even no competition. not even just blow it, it, not even just perfect that. You could go take somebody's workout who falls back in the category that we were talking about, who's doing a bunch of random exercise bullshit exercises. Change a couple exercises, still it would blow creatine. It out would of blow water. creatine out of the right, water. Right, right. Take somebody who's just been afraid to squat for most of their life and leg press all the time and leg extension. Get them squatting, and they'll build more muscle than any supplement on the market stacked up there. So it doesn't even have. I mean, saying perfecting the diet is, I think, an overstatement. You're right. You just got to go. You could go change one one little factor <laughs> yeah, about true. their diet. One little factor about their training program, one little factor about their exercising, and that will blow creatine. That's how that's how minimal these things are. As and those far are as the result. most effective supplements, right? By far, yeah. there are no supplements that compare in terms of those two that I just named with benefits. So there are some applications and benefits to supplements, and if you like to take them, um, and they help you with your routine, and, and you got they, money to burn, and, they, and you got money, and they contribute to your health. You feel like you know whatever. And I look like I'm a supplement aholic. I like taking them. I like having fun with them and trying different things out. But I'm not fooling myself. I know if I really want to make changes, I look at the most important things, which are sleep, exercise, diet, and lifestyle. And if I were to list all the things that affected my progress, supplements would be number 10, 11, 12, or, or somewhere down Well, there. I'll tell you how I, I like to play, because we all agree that we we utilize them and play with them and stuff like that. But I, I do it as like a reward system for me. For example, I just introduced creatine yesterday. <clears throat> so it's funny we're talking about this topic. But that was after I had strung like four weeks of very consistent dieting and training and dialing all the other things in that I know are so much more important. That it's like, okay, cool. I've been doing all these things. Now let's see if I can get a little extra bump in my workout by taking a little bit of mm -hmm. creatine. That's how I use something like that. To get in there and start right out the gates, there's so many other rocks that you should take care of, big rocks that you should take care of first before you're trying to add right. something like that. Unless, again, like uh, you've got money to burn and you just don't give two shits. That's it. Now- uh the biggest lie, probably the number one big lie, the one that contributes to all the other this lies. This is what we're fighting every day now. Yeah, it contributes to all the other lies that we just covered right now is that somebody who's shredded, somebody who's muscular, somebody that looks the part. Somebody's on the cover of a magazine. The cover of the magazine has got you know half a million followers on Instagram, mm. looks phenomenal. IFBB pro. That person <laughs> knows what they're talking about, knows uh, the right, uh, how to teach you how to exercise properly, is going to give you good nutrition advice. In other words, because they look the part, uh, we believe that, yes, they have the knowledge and they have the wisdom. That is the lie that contributes to all the other ones. Because when I was a kid... And I saw Mr. Buff Dude in the magazine oh. with veins coming out of his eyeballs talking about, you know, you got to train to failure and go super intense all the time. You got to do all these silly exercises. You got to, yeah. you know, eat every every hour. You got to take all these crazy supplements. Drink I'm, water and just eat vitamins. Yeah, I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he, he, obviously he looks the way he does. So he must know what he's talking about. Huge myth, huge, huge myth. And it's worse today than ever before. Thanks to social media. I uh, see more yeah. you know, false fitness profits today than I ever did growing up and in, in working in fitness. I mean, I could scroll through Instagram and it's just uh, you know, uh, advice after advice after advice that I shake my head and go, wow, that is terrible. Terrible advice that this person is giving out. Now, we should talk about why this is a lie. Like, Obviously, if somebody's ripped and muscular, well, they got themselves that way. Why don't they Something's know? Something's working. Yeah. Why don't they know all the stuff that they should know? Why well, don't they there's a good? there's a there's a there's a big difference in figuring out a way or being so disciplined and committed 
to and sacrificing for a, a extended period of time to get yourself in shape than teaching others, right? And I just talked about this on an interview that I did, and I was talking about my, you know, I've shared it on this show many a times, my experience of, you know, working my way up from the amateur to the professional level and competing and just being baffled by the the level of knowledge when it came to nutrition and exercise. I was just blown away by all of my peers. I thought for sure that, man, if they're all here, we're all here and we're all in good, really good shape. We, we I would think that most of us knew what we were talking about, but it was quite the opposite. It was like, so what I found was people that were were able to do crazy shit, people that could eat tuna out of a can with mustard for fucking every meal for seven to eight weeks and could do cardio mm. for two hours a day every day. They had some of the most unbelievable discipline that I'd ever met in anybody before. And I consider myself a very disciplined person. And so what you find is you find these people with these weird, crazy, extreme relationships with exercise and nutrition that have the ability to like just not eat, to train the body like crazy. And this, this, the physique that they're presenting is quite the facade for what's really going on inside. These people are not as healthy and as not as fit and as not as smart as they look like they are. They've all they've really done is just proven that they can sacrifice a ton for an d- extended period of time more than most people. They are the one percent for a reason. They're a one percent because. Most other people give a fuck about every other aspect of their life and are not interested in eating out of a can of tuna every single day, five five times a day for extended periods of or time, and then also on top of that, training like a madman, like crazy every single workout. And then you mix in with that uh, really, really and good genetics, genetics, right, or some, steroids and anabolic steroids. And yes, those people can achieve a, a particular look at, at a particular time. But does that mean that they have the knowledge and information and wisdom to share fitness tips, to share exercise technique, best workouts and nutrition? Mm. No, absolutely not. In fact, some of the worst advice I ever see on social media comes from those people. It comes from those people. That guy or girl, like you're talking about, Adam, they may say to you, hey, you want to get shredded? Try the tuna fish and mustard diet. It totally got me shredded. Yeah. And people are like, oh, cool. That's what works. So then I'm going to do that. Not realizing it's terrible. I mean, I'm using an extreme example. I think most people would realize that that's crazy. But I read things like the celery juice diet. I read things like you know, uh, you know, crazy workouts that are just super ineffective or balls to the wall all the time or you know, taking ridiculous amounts of supplements. And it's like, no, those things are not important and they just don't work. The people that you should listen to or the people you should follow the advice from are people who've worked with lots and lots and lots of people and or have some education behind them. People right. who make it their living to work with and train people, not people who just look good. Well, the 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 brain, the the gut, the metabolism are three of the most complex things in this entire universe. And all of ours are extremely individualized. And so just because you figured it out for yourself, even if it wasn't the most ideal way to get there, does not qualify you to figure it out for hundreds and potentially thousands of other people. I mean, it's by it's it's why it's why I love this job because it's it's never redundant. Mm-hmm. I never get a client, I never get a person, I never get a problem, even if it's the same problem I've heard, like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. 
the answer is never the same. It rarely ever is even similar. It's so different and we're all so unique. And so just because somebody has maybe mastered or figured something out for themselves, it most certainly does not qualify them to help hundreds of other people that they've never never worked with before. I learned this, I learned this quickly uh, coming in and, and being a trainer and thinking that I could apply the same techniques that you know I applied to myself as an athlete, that that was going to uh, work well with your average person, your, your average gym-going person that's coming in for me for help and to get strong. And it was very humbling. It was very humbling to understand that People come in and have so many different variables, so many different life experiences and genetics and, uh, you know, all these different factors that are completely different than mine and that I have to work with that. And so I started to look at it more as like I'm a detective. I'm trying to get all the clues, the facts, everything lined up so I could stack it in, in accordingly so it's actually going to work out uh, to their benefit. So that to, to be able to just put out like a blanket statement of this is how it's going to work for everybody is just asinine to me. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I've worked with quite a bit uh, of uh, people at very high levels of physical achievement. I've had clients that had competed in bodybuilding or bikini or physique. And it's funny because I'll, I, I'm working with very disciplined people. Just like you said, Adam, uh, they're, on one hand, they're great to work with because you tell them to do something, they just do it. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, there's some challenges sometimes because they want to overdo everything. But it's funny, I would get these people and I'd it's basic stuff. I'd watch them do a squat and I'd be like, oh, here, let's have you tweak your form a little bit here and try this priming movement. And they'd come back and be like, holy cow, mm -hmm. my body's responding like, just with that small technique, like my body's responding like crazy. Or I'd look at the routine and be like, okay, uh, let's try full body routine. You've been doing a body part split for a long time. I don't body. Are you sure full body? I don't know. That's not what the body. But try it out and see what happens. They come back and be like, I put on five pounds of muscle. I can't even believe that. Or they taught. They show me their diet and it'd be, you know, tilapia rice and broccoli all day long. And then I'd say, Well, why are you eating that? Well, I heard tilapia thins the skin or some other baloney myth that they, that they heard from another bodybuilder. I'm like, right. No, that's actually not true. Um, let's try some variety so you get some different nutrients and you can eat some different food and throw in some steaks so you have a little bit more natural creatine. Let's see what happens. And it would blow people away. So no, they, they know how to get themselves to look a particular way, but they do not know how to give you the right information for your body. They do not know what works for most people. They do not know uh, good exercise technique. They don't understand nutrition mm -hmm. um, at a high level. Um, their understanding of nutrition is I'm going to eat these calories and eat these macros and here's what proteins, fats, and carbs are. So uh, unfortunately, through social media, uh, because the barrier to enter is so low, fortunately and unfortunately, fortunately because we have way more access to information, unfortunately because that floodgate includes a lot of this baloney and crap, that we're we, we're just we're inundated with it. A good way to spot these type of people is they lean on these four these four lies that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. You know that's a great way to spot them is they they tend to be the same ones that preach all hype and motivation in beast mode. You know, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. all about that. It's all about pushing and working hard, and they throw music videos behind their workout and they try and hype you up on Instagram. Like that's their way of doing it. Or they're talking about what supplements they're drinking or using or taking. Like. Those are affiliated. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's the other thing that drives me crazy about the, this, the, the people that get traction on social media right now because they have great physiques is they get a few thousand followers and these supplement companies are brilliant. They go out and they find all these micro influencers and they give them a commission deal where they don't, they don't even get paid for this. They get a commission deal for peddling their shit. And so now all of a sudden you get this super fit person 
who every other post or Insta story is them taking their pre-workout or them taking their protein shake or them taking their vitamins and supplements. And they're, they're, they're presenting it like this is part That's of That's what got me there. Right. This is what got me to this, this physique. Even if they don't say that, by them posting it and promoting mm-hmm. it and talking about it all the times, they're leading people on who don't know any better still that still fall into believing all these lies. Right. And so it just, it gets perpetuated. Yeah. It's, and then mm-hmm. the stupid, the, the dumb exercises, that's another one. You'll see them being like, oh, look at this new, t- new movement that I invented. Right. <laughs> I like yeah. to do a one-legged leg press sitting you know sideways or upside down or i like to do i've seen this actually before (laughs) a shoulder press on a leg press for i don't know why but then people (laughs) are like oh that's the secret to his big boulder shoulders or whatever yeah Yeah. no 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 stop listening to those people i I, I would say if you want to listen to anybody how many people has that person actually trained and worked with how long have they been working with everyday people um, do they have some education behind them as well? Um, uh, that's neither one of those are perfect, but they're far better than the that person looks ripped. Therefore, I'm just going to listen to their advice and do what they tell me. Right. Yeah. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. We have a ton, and they're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on social media. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. And you can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.